G'day, my name's Tino Beth. Welcome back to the Quantum Feedback Podcast, episode number six, where we dive into the out-of-body experience that transformed my life. Enjoy. Welcome to the Quantum Feedback Podcast, where together we'll explore the bridge between science and spirituality, translate the messages of the divine, and play the infinite game to live, love, and learn life lessons. I'm your host, Tino Beth. Let's dial in to Quantum Feedback. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be exploring or beginning our exploration into this wonderful world of near-death, out-of-body experiences, what happens, where do we go, where do we come from, you know, we're going to explore this realm and I'm going to share with you the stories, the um, the account, one of the accounts that I've, that I've had, um, one of the out-of-body experiences that I had and um, and the segue into the near-death realm. So let's dive right in. So let me describe the situation for you before I tell you the story, just to give you some context. So I was um, I'm living in a in a house. You know, this is going back back to about two thousand and nine, I believe. Two thousand and nine. I'm living in a house with my girlfriend and. Everything's pretty normal, you know. I'm working, doing my thing, and got a bit of free time to relax and do the research that I'm doing. That actually, you know, led us all the way here. But during this period of time, you know, um, everything's pretty normal. Nothing's really happening. I can't remember anything being out of the ordinary in terms of stress or um, different experiences. I wasn't doing any psychedelics at the time or anything, so... That kind of gives you a little bit of a picture of what's going on. Now, for me, in this occurrence, for me, in this experience that I had, I was I was asleep. I mean, this is like a dream out-of-body experience, near-death experience or death experience. So let's dive in. I was, um, I was sleeping in my bed, and I woke up in the morning. It was early in the morning. It was 200 two o'clock in the morning, I'd looked at the clock in my, you know, dream state, in my, in my awake, awakening state, I looked at the clock, and I was like, okay, that's two o'clock, I'm gonna go back to bed, and, um, back to sleep, I should say, I didn't get up, and, um, and I just closed my eyes, and, and I drifted back to sleep, and when I did that, immediately, I, I, like, opened my eyes again, and I found that kind of odd, but I opened my eyes again, and I saw that I was looking in, you know, at a different picture, at a different world, at a different reality, and I quickly, well, I started to realize, you know, like, as I was observing this reality more than anything, that I wasn't really in control of what was happening, and I was in this observation mode of perceiving through the eyes of a of a boy, of a young boy in India, it seemed. And this young boy was not well off. He was living on the streets and he was pretty much, 
you know, like having to navigate a pretty tough life of of living on the streets and begging and and you know going without food for long periods of time, going without food, without shelter, without clean water, without 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 a lot of these things. So I was in this space and and it was kind of odd because I was like, all right, I'm going to wake up now and I couldn't wake up or hang on, how, how do I get out of here? Like I was a little bit shocked by how much, you know, how stuck I felt in this, in this zone, in this perceiving mode. So, you know, like I had to let go. I had to let go of this sense of control and the sense of, you know, like, um, sense of wanting not to be there, you know, because I'll tell you why, it was an amazing experience and and everything, but it just it kept going on and on and on and day after day after day after day. And it was like incredibly like difficult. It was like it, it was a difficult life to be observing and to be a part of because we were begging on the streets. I say we, but you know, this boy was this um this entity that I was observing through their eyes and I'm just gonna keep saying we because that's how I relate to it. We were begging on the streets and we were begging for food and sometimes we'd get some, sometimes we'd get some money, sometimes we'd be able to you know, very rarely we'd be able to buy something with our money because we never had any money. And people were very kind like we experienced all these different aspects of you know of indian culture and indian society and i can't remember exactly where we were but um <laughs> I, I can't remember at all where we were i've never been to india but i got a rich rich understanding about this perspective on life and this this aspect of really, really, really low socioeconomic, um, you know, poverty, like just sheer utter poverty. I didn't know who my mother and father were and, you know, essentially that memory was pretty blocked from that, that boy's experiences. It was pretty traumatic, actually. But so, you know, we were we were doing it ourselves living on the streets and if i had to guess i would say that the this child that i was perceiving reality through was probably about 4 years old 4 or 5 years old i'd say and it was um it was kind of crazy because we had this sort of like we had this connection i was seeing through the, the reality of you know i was seeing through his eyes and seeing his reality, but I had no way to impose my free will on him, on his situation. I had no way to impose my awareness on him to change things, to manipulate the situation, to, you know, course correct or steer, to navigate. So it was really like me just letting go of the reins of control and, you know, and being like a ship without a rudder. Uh, that was, and it was, it was like a med. It was like it became a meditation for me because all I could do is just learn and grow and observe and really take it in. 
you know, there's all these times where we'd be begging on the streets and people would be disgusted by the state, by the state that I was in, by this state of poverty, and they would kick me and spit on me and throw stones at me. And it was, it was really difficult to, like, to really, like, comprehend that there were people out there that cared so little about human life and had no, like, had a complete disassociation with, um, with the, the different levels of society. So it was kind of strange. And I got to the point, you know, me being this awareness, this conscious awareness within this, this, um, this experience. And I think that boy got to that point as well, where we could perceive different types of people, where we could have this intuitive communication, this, this intuitive um, channel where we could get the energy of a person before we'd even, you know, cross paths or interact, especially on the begging streets. It's like direct sales, but it's like begging. <laughs> and it's, um, and it, and this intuitive quality really, um, really grew and really developed where you could see into the soul through the eyes of the person and really be able to get a feeling for who they were and if they were going to support me or if they weren't or if they're going to be threatening. You know, energy, reading energies became very clear when there was nothing left and you're like literally like, um, you know, I suppose appealing to people's emotions for your life. So I was like, this crazy sort of initiation into into reading energy and and really tuning into um, you know the, the energetic structure of, of of individuals that we'd that would pass by you know and because we're on the streets of India there would be like thousands of people crossing my path every day and it, and it all just blurred it blurred into like just a continuous stream of activity and and the hunger kind of the hunger for anything but this life that I was experiencing seemed to diminish the more I, the more and more I went through it and the more and more I sort of let go of of trying to get back into my you know Tino Beth reality <laughs> And just allowed this all to unfold because it seemed like there was a message and I had to learn something and there was like something there for me, something there for this boy. And, you know, I really just had to like let go of a, of, of a sense of control. And, uh, and it was kind of crazy because, you know, like most, like I can't remember my dreams. Like I typically don't remember my dreams. I can remember like three or four dreams and like, if that, and this is, like, this one dream that was, like, made such a big impact on my life that I was, like, it's been etched into my, you know, into the, the subconscious parts of my DNA or whatever you want to call that. It's just been etched into my memory. And um, and it was really weird because this dream I was in, this out-of-body experience I was in, it it took... It took a lot of time. Like, it seemed like it went on for a long time, so much so that the days just, you know, blurred into one day and they turned into weeks. And eventually I I realized that the seasons were changing. You know, I was able to 
see that, oh, it's getting cold, um, as in winter was coming, and you know, we would rug up, so to speak, and, and really, like, be living... So I would describe the living situation for for a start. We were um, living in a sort of like a shanty town in a cardboard box village next to a rubbish dump, <laughs> essentially, that was on the fringe of of some suburban area where there was lots of foot traffic. And I do recall sometimes we went into the city and we would like go on little adventures to like see what was out beyond the borders of of this this known world that we had, but most of the time we spent in in within this little complex, within this, you know, this sort of, like, suburb, I suppose. You know, and then the living situation was just, like, living in a cardboard box. We'd have to recreate it every so often, and we'd find new things to build things out of, and, you know, we'd get pretty creative in terms of building our accommodation, living, you know, on the straw, on the, on the ground, and, and trying to, like, keep warm and insulate during the cold cold winters and I say winters because you know I distinctly remember three winters <laughs> and it was just like this dream that just kept going on and on and on and it was kind of like so surreal that it didn't stop and that like every day I was there like this dream like it blew my mind in terms of compressing time because like I literally feel like I I grew three years older during that period of time like me and my Tino self I I literally feel like I was I was there for three years like day after day after day after day in the same way that I experienced time in my normal physical reality where one day sort of blends into the next and, you know, there's high points and low points and there's some lessons learned on the way, but everything sort of stays the same and even keeled and there's not much disruption. That was a similar reality, you know, observing this life, this life of the starving boy living on the streets in India. And, uh, and the three years that I was doing that, it was kind of crazy. Like, it blew my mind as to how time works <laughs> or <clears throat> how these other how these experiences are they step out of time they take us out of this normal you know time matrix of you know i don't even want to call that eventually like we'd we'd had all the experiences like we'd had all the you know got a bag of rice and had it stolen and ate some rice and got some rice and didn't know how to cook it because we didn't have any cooking things and take the rice to someone and you know, try and cook it there and then get some food given to us and eating scrappy, shitty food and, you know, like... And then I had, like, a little click, a little, like, a posse of other, you know, friends that were also starving, living on the streets. And, you know, we... This is, like, my little family. And we'd live together and we'd share. And this is... It was um a pretty trustworthy environment, I would say. Um, there was some instances where it was like that trust was dramatically broken and things like turned pear shape. You know, all in all, it was like we were like all brothers living in, in these boxes and, you know, sharing this this experience together. And it was really, really profound. And, you know, to be honest, none of us really saw a way out. I think there was um, there was times when, 
you know, one of one of our little clan was like had dreams and visions and wanted to go and do stuff and you know and I remember <laughs> I remember that they would they would go out and they'd you know take massive action and and put everything on the line and yeah, to be honest I just remember them not being successful you know and and more so to the point I remember them you know like really like because of the lack of experience that the, the school of hard knocks being really brutal from that perspective, like really brutal, um, to the point where you think you're winning, you know, like you get adopted or something like that, and then it turns horrible and like real nasty, the energy turns real nasty, and sometimes we didn't see some of these guys, they didn't come back, and it was kind of weird, I guess maybe they made it, they were successful, or maybe they got turned into a slave, essentially, (laughs) Because, you know, I think what we most appreciated was that we still had our freedom and we still had the freedom to to choose, you know, as much as we could in that situation, choose our life and um, and where we, where we went and what we did to the degree that we could, you know, being, being so young and being starving and and all that, but there was like, there was this entrapped quality of that choice, it's like, that choice is like, so narrow and limited that I guess all we really wanted, like, was to be, to be saved, to be rescued, to be helped, (laughs) to be embraced, to be loved and cared for, and, uh, and it was, it was a couple of rare occurrences, I recall, where, we were embraced and cared for and loved in that way, but it was so fleeting and so short that it really left a big impact in our life and and what was important uh, for us and what we were looking for in the world. Because, you know, on one hand, we were looking for survival needs, begging for food, but on the other hand, we're also looking for these deeper psychological needs of you know, fulfillment and appreciation and connection. And a lot of that just fell by the wayside. Like, we just didn't have the security, the the um, the foundation to be able to really get any of those psychological needs met. So, it's kind of crazy because, you know, as we were going through this, this journey through this life, this experience, I was, you know, I was still my thing, just being that witnessing presence of, of being that boy, of, of observing life through his eyes. And yeah, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. So many experiences. It's kind of, it's all vague and dreamlike. But essentially what happened was after these this long, drawn-out dream, this long, drawn-out experience of seeing life through this starving Indian boy's reality. You know, we we were approaching the, the third winter that I was there, and it was a particularly cold winter. Like, things were particularly hard. Like, getting food was getting real hard. Um, I think there was a lot of, like, hardship in the community there's um 
probably not so much abundance, not so much um, charity. And, you know, the, the, it came to the, a point where it was very cold and we were very weak physically, very, very weak. And that the other the other people around us were, were also doing it very tough. And I remember seeing, you know, we, we witnessed another child just die in his sleep. And it was... I don't even know how to describe that situation because it was real crazy because we were like, all right, so that's that's potentially what's coming to us. You know, and maybe if anything, it's like me being there and acting as a as a sort of an awareness and having the practice of having had the practice of letting go for three years and and just being like the observer in this state perhaps helped that helped that to transition better or perhaps i just got a taste of what the transition was because time came up and we were so weak was so cold that I started to feel like we started to feel like this this could be it. This is the end. This is when we cross over into the heavenly realm and when the physical body passes away, it dies and we transition. And we and I felt it coming on. I felt it coming on and if anything like from this experience it was like feeling this wave of of euphoria. And and with that, surrendering completely to it, surrendering completely to the a new adventure beginning, and letting go of the body of this experience of this life of this the ego that was very small, um, letting go of that, and and this is sort of like this transition period between being aware that it's coming and it coming. And letting go of these things, and as this letting go, this release was happening, there was like so much energy traveling through the the body, the the you know energetic body, that it was like an orgasmic experience, like the most orgasmic experience, because you know we were just pure vibration at that point, and we we're transitioning, leaving the body. And leaving the body and and being propelled, being drawn into a white light, like a stream of white light, of of infinite, infinite white light sort of thing. Like this transition, for anyone that is um, about to die, that's going to die at some point, this transition is potentially, can be potentially the most orgasmic release, the most orgasmic experience of your whole life. That's what I experienced was like, this was like where everything came flooding back and all of my senses were awakened and I was reunited with my, you know, with the, with the energetic body, purely, truly being energy, vibrating at the speed of whatever, the speed of the soul. And then we, we, we looked up and, and there was, we were in the white light room and it was like, I was still observing through the eyes of this 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 boy who's like you know seven or eight years old now or whatever or that we'd left that body sorry but that's <laughs> we died at seven or eight years old we left the body we had this orgasmic 
portal of of um, transformation into our energetic body, into the white light realm, the, this room of infinite white light all around us. And it was there that we were guided and tutored, in a way, to relive the lessons of the life that we had just lived. So I got to experience it again in, like, the blink of an eye with minute, infinite amounts of detail as well in terms of the different encounters of people that we had and and the different insights that we gained from that experience, you know, in terms of reading energy, in terms of just gathering all this experience, this experiential data of living this, you know, living that life. And remembering these lessons that we, we and these observations that we, we made during this time, and that was this, like, whole life revision, like this flashback into the past to, like, relive the lessons and the failures and the shortcomings and all these different parts of this experience. And then we all came back into, you know, into the now in this white light room of infinite possibility, being coached and guided. And it was in that point where I was like, now, from this point, you have a choice to make and you can choose to this child, this entity, this consciousness that I was observing their reality through, they chose to go on and do the next thing. I don't know what that was. They went on to reincarnate or, you know, reincarnate into some other body, essentially. Let's keep it general like that, because I didn't know what that was. And I, the I, (laughs) the I of the I am, who I was in that space, in that time, came back into my Tino Beth body. And I woke up, like, and then I opened my eyes again, (laughs) like I did many years ago, almost like a release of bondage. And I looked around at the room that I was sleeping in. My girlfriend was laying beside me. And I looked at the clock like I did before. And when I looked at the clock, it said three, zero, zero, like exactly one hour later. And I was, um, (laughs) I was (sighs) freaking out, not really freaking out, but I was just like, oh my God, like, (laughs) how do I even, I don't even know how to communicate this. And I don't even know what this, what just happened. And... Like, I was just teleported out of my body into this other reality, into this other experience. Until that person died, and I got to experience that whole death, that whole process, that whole revision of of one's life. And then I got to wake up again in my own body, and I was like, oh my god, I'm so grateful. I can't believe I'm back. I can't believe I'm I have to do this now in here, like, this body. And I was just like, wow, like so surreal tried to explain it to my girlfriend she understood she was like yeah 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 but she didn't you know she obviously couldn't really understand and then yeah and that's just sort of like i guess been this this experience that's confirmed for me that there is a quote unquote whatever you want to define as afterlife afterlife is based on you know, our choices in this life, you know, we we get to steer, navigate our afterlife. 
based on this life. So the ripple effects of this life, or the um, you know, the 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 quality and the relationship that we have to our energetic being in this life influences and determines the the sort of the doors that open up when we cross over into death and we we get to make the choice again of what happens next in the in the afterlife what happens next in you know in the next incarnation or the next journey whatever you want to call that into a physical body so it was like really like that's one of the biggest biggest takeaways that i got was like wow like we are so infinite like i am such an infinite being like you are such an infinite being and the energetic signature of how you live your life not only creates your life you know here in in your physical reality as you're sitting or whatever you're doing listening to this podcast it creates that but it also influences and in a way dictates who you are who you can be and what you can become in the next incarnation in the next life so it's like taking this memory taking these learnings and taking them with you into the next journey into the next incarnation and it's like taking these skills and and these insights and this reconnection and awareness that you have with yourself with your energetic self you get to take that with you i believe and um and then it's basically like a process of remembering who you are which probably reflects a big part of this journey on life today is remembering who we are energetically so that we can activate these skills these insights these resources these extra sensory abilities that we have in this life so that we can also course correct and steer and navigate this life more effectively but also influence and create this the, the future potentials of how and what and where we we incarnate into once we leave this physical body and the and the physical body dies and we transition into into energy into pure energy and light so that was um that was my second out of body experience that happened around 2009 so what does this all mean in terms of out of body near death research well i guess what it means is that no matter what you do no matter if you've had an out of body experience or not you're going to experience it in one way or another so it doesn't matter if you have this experience and you you learn from it in your out of body experience that you have before you die or you experience death and you have to let go and you have to practice releasing and and really coming to terms with this is it all over we're going on to another thing everyone's going to get to experience this no matter what this moment of enlightenment of pure clarity of what the nature of this experience was what the reason what the purpose was so it's if anything using our time here more wisely to me looks like getting to know myself more which helps me to tune into my energetic frequency which helps me to tune into my intentions that i had 
before I set out on this journey in this physical Tino Beth body, which then helps me to navigate and steer towards, you know, the purpose and the agenda of my my higher self, my energetic self in this body, so that I can become more aligned with my true path. And as a result, that will then not only help guide me in this path and help bring about, you know, beautiful synchronicities and opportunities and, and coincidences and and learnings, really, you know, these experiences in this life, but also help me to plant the seed for the next generation of incarnations for my energetic body to travel on and to go on and to explore. And that's really fascinating to me, that concept of of planning one's life for the sake of A, one's life, and B, one's afterlife. Uh, it seems like a, a, a big a big thing. It seems like a very big thing. Like, if not the biggest thing that we could be focusing on here and now and using this time wisely to, you know, make sure that we've got, you know, we're doing, we're doing the right thing. We're doing what we want to do. You know, we're doing what our souls called us here to do. We've doing this, whatever the thing is that we dropped in and incarnated into these bodies, into these flesh, physical vessels, what the reason was. Because I feel like, and this is sort of segueing into the insights I got from my other out-of-body near-death experience, was we're all here for a reason. And that reason is unique and it's wonderful and it's totally 100% unique to you. And you're the only one that can do it. Like you're the only one that can fulfill that destiny, that course, that those actions. You're the only one that can create that masterpiece that you're here to create. And I feel like if if we all did that, if we focused on tuning into our inner self and our energetic self and remembering why it was that we came here in the first place, then we will create heaven on earth. And as a result of us individually creating our own heaven on earth, we're actually going to transform the society that we live in. We're going to transform the the culture that we live in and really create the culture to be in our image of how we're living our life. And that's really the only way to change the reality, to change the state of the world, to save the planet, if you want to call it that, from global warming and all these sorts of things. So that's really like this fundamental takeaway is to focus on doing your thing, no matter what that thing is, to focus on that, no matter if it has financial gains or if it's just purely for you doing you the best that you can do. And that's the purpose of quantum feedback. The purpose of quantum feedback is that you are here for a reason. You're on a mission. And your mission is to discover your calling, your reason for being, your reason for being alive. And as a result, your whole world is going to change. You're going to go through transformation. You're going to shift. You're going to grow. You're going to become aligned in and of yourself. And as a result of being aligned in yourself, the world is going to open up doors you didn't know existed. So, 
If you've had a near-death experience, if you've had an out-of-body experience, I want to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram at quantumfeedback and send me a direct message and let's get in touch because I'd love to hear your story and there's not really like an outlet in our modern world to talk about out-of-body experiences as readily as I would like to. So I'm creating a forum and I'm opening up to hearing your stories and sharing your stories and really diving in and studying this so that we can maybe make it more accessible, make it more shareable, make it more of a norm in our culture of surface skin deep um, experiences make it more of a norm that we are spiritual beings. We have this ability to travel beyond the physical body and to experience more than the physical realm has to offer. And that's actually our divine nature. It's actually our, you know, inherent past is we are energetic beings first and foremost, and we're physical beings second. So if you've got a story to share, Reach out to me at Quantum Feedback on Instagram, and I'd love to hear your story, hold space, and really explore and see the commonalities that we that we all share when we leave the body and we travel through the energetic realms. So thanks for listening to the Quantum Feedback Podcast, where it's all about following your calling and creating your destiny and living the life of your dreams. Thank you.